Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. My dad uh, declared several years ago, in fact, God really put this strongly on his heart. It became a real foundational point for our church that there's an anointing and a calling on The Cause Church, not just Jenny and I, but on our church to be a family church, that if you wanna raise strong and healthy families, you ought to be part of the Cause Church. And in fact, he changed my title from executive pastor to family pastor, and that was the same time that we hired Jenny to become our children's ministry director. You know, every church has different callings and giftings and anointings, and there's great churches. There's great, great churches right across the street. Don't go there, stay here, but there's great churches all around. But one of the things that's unique about our church, I think anyways, is that we're Jesus-focused, Bible-believing, spirit-filled, come on, intergenerational, multi-ethnic church. And uh, so we're not just reaching young adults, we're reaching people of every age and every generation. And Jenny and I wanna talk for a few minutes um, this morning about how to equip you to have a biblical vision for your own family in order to build a healthy and strong family. So our message is called The Family I See. The Family I See, and, and we'll get through it quickly, but I believe you'll be encouraged this morning. Jenny, why don't you go ahead and pray for our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time here today in church. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would have your way in us. We thank you, Lord, that your word is gonna be, be preached with power and authority. We thank you that it does not return void, and we thank you most of all, Father, that we can give you glory and all praise for all things. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter three. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like. Uh, I'll read from my notes. Um, we're gonna read from the message paraphrase. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, find us afterwards. We'd love to give you one. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter three. You are God's house. You are God's house. Look at the person next to you and say, you look too thin to me to be a house, but you are. Come on, tell him. You are God's house. Using the gift that God gave me as a good architect, this is Paul writing, I designed the blueprints. Apollos, who's another uh, leader apostle. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's gonna be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous and you won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over, but you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred and you, remember, are the temple. Paul is using here imagery of building a house in order to communicate some really important spiritual truths. And he very clearly makes the point that you and I, actually both collectively but even individually, that we are the house of God or we are the temple of God. You might think, what the heck does that mean? You know, what, is, what is that all about? Well, before Jesus came, friends, the people of God would go and they would worship in the temple of God. It was one physical location in Jerusalem, and it was where they would present sacrifices. And the Bible says that the presence of God, the glory of God, dwelt in the temple. 
After Jesus came, he changed everything. He, he lived a, a sinless life. He died on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And then he ascended to heaven. And then in Acts chapter two, he poured out the spirit of God. He poured out the very presence of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think I just heard a pretty good message series recently in here called Filled and Empowered. I don't know if anybody remember that. About the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. He poured out the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, today is Pentecost Sunday. And it's kind of funny, actually, for the church, we just did a series, but for the church, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost should be celebrated probably just as much. We don't make a big deal about it, and, and you know, even sometimes in church culture. But Acts chapter two, God birthed the church and poured out his spirit, friends. And listen, now you and I, if you've come into relationship with Christ, you are the temple of God. You are the house of God, and he has poured his spirit into you. And guess what? You're a work in progress. You're still under construction. He's not done with you yet, but he's building something beautiful and powerful in your life. He's making you more and more like Jesus. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, give me some slack. I'm, in, I'm under construction right now. You're a work in progress. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, I love that, God's doing a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, until you die, or until Jesus comes back, he's working in you, he's doing a good work in you. And uh, so this is even our theme verse for VBS next month, that we're gonna teach the kids Philippians 1, 6, and teach them all about that, and we're, of course, doing construction in, in the church right now. But listen, you have to see before you start building anything, you have to have a picture in your mind. You have to be able to see it. You have to have a vision in your mind of what, it's, what the end result is gonna look like. We had like over two years of conversation about the construction that's going on with our architect and for a whole lot of different reasons, it took longer than it should have, but you need to see that. And so Jenny and I wanna just give you, and we'll do it as quickly as we can, don't get nervous, but we'll give you four principles on how to see and construct a healthy family. Our first point is develop God's plan for your family based on his word. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. My grandma often told me growing up, Jen, let's get the mind of the Lord on the matter. What she meant was that we needed to pray before moving forward. Is God the architect of your family, of your business, of your college life? of your career? Did you consult him before the planning process? Or is God your handyman, someone that you only reach out to when stuff goes wrong and wow. needs fixing? Wow. Let's put God back in the proper place that he belongs in our homes as first, as the architect, as the one who helps us, instead of just the one who is Mr. Fix-It. You can start today, God help me, Holy Spirit, show me the big picture for my life. I want your wisdom, I want your direction. Many families nowadays have failed because they have learned to have, they've learned to have church on Sunday, but they leave God in the building. The Lord is concerned with every area of your life, ladies and gentlemen, not just your church attendance here. Yeah. He's a good father, and good fathers are actively involved in their kids' lives, not just once a week, right? Yeah. Have you ever sat down and thought about what you want your life to look like a year, five years, or 10 years from now? Have you made a blueprint for your family's future? 
The cry of my heart growing up in a single parent household was simply, I want to have a healthy family. And I knew at a young age that that would only happen if one, God helped me, and two, if I put in the work to be healthy myself. God is the master builder. If you've seen Lego movie, everything is awesome. God is awesome if you allow him to be the master builder of your life. He wants to be the architect. He will build something beautiful that will bring us joy and that will give him glory, but only if we allow him to. Amen. Joshua 24, 15 says at the end, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is something, a verse that we have taken at heart for our family. When we moved into our home around the corner in Brea a few years ago, we walked through every room in the house. We prayed for it. We anointed the doorposts, not because we were doing something religious or you know, some sort of strange ceremony, but, but because we wanted to welcome the Holy Spirit, to welcome the presence of the Lord in our home, and to put first things first. Abraham Lincoln once said, the strength of a nation lies in the homes of its people. It's our conviction that the family is the backbone of the Christian church and of society as a whole. History shows that if any society wants to survive, it needs to uphold, strengthen, and continue to build upon the biblical institutions of marriage and family. If you study archeology, span you will see that any society that has failed has first did so because the family was torn down. The Bible begins in Genesis with the marriage of a man and a woman, and it ends in the book of Revelation with the marriage of Christ and his bride, the church. In between, God provides timeless blueprints for family life, which, if followed in a spirit of humility and obedience, provide us with the only true way to maintain healthy family relationships. Psalm 127, verse one in the message says, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. Don't you see that children are God's best gift, the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Are we living in tents, church, or are we living in the fortress that God wants to design for us? Amen, that's so good. I wanna just um, encourage the men for a moment. Men, uh, husbands, fathers, biblically, you're the spiritual leader of your household. And too often men abdicate that responsibility to their wives. And uh, it ought not to be that way. And I know there's a lot of reasons that happens. I think a lot of times as men, we just feel inadequate or, or ill-equipped. That's why we exist as a church. We're gonna help you, we're gonna disciple you, we're gonna encourage you. But men, you need to step up and lead your homes. And uh, by the way, this is a, a little side note. Husbands, if you're gonna plan something for your wives ever, especially if it's a surprise, make sure that it's something that she's actually gonna enjoy, all right? Jenny turned 40 back in the fall, and I had this brilliant idea to surprise her, take her overnight, buy her a nice dress, pack her stuff, and, um, and so even my dad, I had, my, I had to have my dad drive, drive me down to South Orange County to meet her. Even my dad's like, John, are you sure this is a good idea? I was like, oh yeah, this is brilliant, Dad. She's gonna love it. I knew when I got in the car after five minutes that when I handed her her gift, which, which was this dress that I picked out, and she started laughing, because she said, what size do you think I am? I knew I, knew I was in, in trouble, and it all went downhill quickly from there. Okay, all right, I better stop. All right, number two is this. Sorry, number two is this. Build on the only solid foundation, Jesus Christ. Build on the only solid foundation, which is Jesus. My brother preached a, a great message last week called Solid Foundation, and you ought to go back and watch it. But friends, your life and your family and your marriage is built on something. 
Whether you realize it or not, it is. For many people, it's just, it's just by default. There's, there's no design. They just do it on accident. They're building their life on things that are not gonna last. The only solid foundation is Christ himself. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, Christ alone. Listen, you know the strength of the foundation in your life when, when there's a, a, a big storm that hits by the magnitude of the storm. When life is easy, you know, you can get through without much problem. But when you go through a storm, when you face a storm in your life, my Uncle Jim used to say that you're like toothpaste. You never know what's really inside until you're squeezed and the real you comes out, friends. And that's, that's the honest truth. When a storm hits, what is your foundation? And if you haven't built on Jesus, you're, you're gonna be in trouble. When you get a doctor report that you weren't expecting, who or what do you turn to? When you start to hit some challenges in your marriage that you can't navigate and you can't really get out of, who or what do you turn to? When a loved one dies unexpectedly, friends, who or what do you turn to? Man, if I didn't have the Lord these last six months, I don't know what I would do. But Jesus is my foundation. He's my strength. And so not only do you need to commit your own life to the Lord, but you need to commit your marriage to the Lord. You need to commit your family to the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why parents that until your child is 18 years old or wants to start paying some bills, it doesn't matter what they say, they're going to the house of God with you. And parents who think, I'm just gonna let my kid decide what they wanna do and what they wanna be, and if they wanna be a dinosaur, then sure, I'm gonna get a surgery to let them grow a tail. That, you're, you're out of order and you're not obeying the Lord. I better watch out what I'm saying. You can tell Jenny's giving me looks, but listen, it's your job to raise your kids in the house of God, in the ways of God. And so even if your kids aren't, aren't walking with the Lord, or your kids, your grandkids, or great-grandkids, you prophesy and you call them back to the Lord. You, you pray you praying back into the kingdom of God. Jesus is our only solid foundation. I'll let Jenny speak now, I'll stop. Right, so here's an <laughs> illustration to kind of help prove our point. I'm gonna tell you a little story. In the late 1960s, a brilliant architect was hired to design the most beautiful university in America. The campus he designed was Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. The land was surveyed beforehand, and although it was on a pristine piece of beach property, the surveyors said, this architect is going to need to design something miraculous in order for these buildings to withstand the elements around it. Most people today are unaware that Pepperdine was built in a fire zone. The president of Pepperdine at the time was a born-again Christian, and he felt a strong call from God to build this university on this land, a vision for the future. And he knew God would help them to solidify the plans, so he went to the architect and make a way for the campus to be beautiful and safe from its biggest threat. So, the architect created fortress-like fireproof buildings that demanded the most expensive steel reinforced concrete poured into place. And instead of traditional wood for the exteriors and roofs, he used fireproof stucco. Even the road into campus has natural fire breaks, which means that when a fire inevitably happens, there is a safe way for students and faculty to travel through the fire back to the campus to shelter in place. Have you surveyed the climate of your family? Where are your hotspots? Where are the areas that you are vulnerable to attack? When the architect was given this beautiful piece of land and told to design the most beautiful university in America, he knew that its biggest threat was fire. So he had to do something miraculous, which he did. It's actually a great book called The Malibu Miracle, if you guys are into reading, if you want a book to read on vacation. 
But what ended up happening is during the Woolsey fires that we had several years ago, I don't know if you remember, but it seemed like all of Southern California was on fire. You'd walk outside, the sky was brown, or if it was red, it was really eerie. The entire campus of Pepperdine University surrounding it was on fire. And at the time, the president of the university asked the faculty and the students to shelter in place. They got annihilated in the media. The media accused the president of endangering the lives of the students and the faculty and calling him reckless. What they did not know, they did not have wisdom. They did not have the wisdom of the person who consulted the architect and said, where is the safest place for these students and faculty to be during the most dangerous time of our university's history? And the architect said, shelter in place, stay at home. They did, and not one student or faculty member lost their lives during the Woolsey fire because of the wisdom of one man who decades earlier built something that was fireproof because he knew inevitably danger was going to happen. Church, we know that at some point we're gonna get attacked in our families. It is the world that we live in. I think 2020 taught us all that in a very real way. So what are you doing to help protect your family from the fires of life that are coming? Are you building something strong? Are you consulting an architect? Are you consulting our Heavenly Father to know, God, what do I do? I don't even know where to start. He's the one that can help you to protect your family when threats from the enemy arises. Proverbs 24, three and four says, through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. When the fires of life come for my kids, where do I want them to go? I want them to go home. Sorry. Do you want your family and your children to shelter in place when things get tough? Have you created a safe space for your family or do they run away from you, looking for the safety and protection from somebody else? If the latter is the case, let's make a change and start that today, folks. Today can be the day, right? Where we can make that change for our family. There's nothing more complicated and challenging than family life, but it was God that designed families. The family is God's plan on earth today. And he has not changed his mind. And don't get discouraged, I know that sometimes Hearing a message like this can cause us to think, oh gosh, well, there's so many things wrong, where do I start? I don't even know where to start or I'm just not gonna do anything. There are 28 seasons listed in the book of Ecclesiastes and not one of them ever says it's time to quit. Put in the work and start today. Communicate daily with the architect. He's the one that designed you. What are his plans? Do we continue down this path, Lord? Do we go this direction? What do we need to do? Every person in every family needs a tune-up once in a while unless you're my 1996 Honda Civic, which I drove for 12 years without changing the oil, hallelujah. <laughs> but he never changed it for me either, that's so. That's amazing, <laughs> wow. Jenny also never drank any water before uh, we started dating. She just figured that, you know, I drink a lot of coffee and there's water in coffee, so why do I also need to drink water? I'm like, Jenny, I don't think that's how God made our bodies. I think you actually need to drink some water every now and then. Number three is this, ask the master builder to inspect his work in you regularly. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he's really talking about at the end of your life, that how you lived your life, that God is gonna inspect that. He's not, the issue is not salvation that Paul is addressing. If you know the Lord, he's not addressing that. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. And so Paul says how you choose to live your life, what kind of building materials you you choose, the Bible says, he, all, Paul also writes, you ought to choose faith, hope, and love. God's gonna examine those things, and only really what is eternal is gonna last. 
But um, he, is, he is talking about God doing a full inspection of our life at the end of our, of our lives. But friends, listen, I think it's wise that we ask God to inspect our lives daily on a regular basis. Lord, inspect my life. Inspect my marriage, inspect my family. Show me what needs to be fixed. Show me what I need to do. Show me what you need to do. By the way, God always works in partnership with us. Yeah. It's not just you by yourself, and it's not just all God. It's always both and. Yeah. We have to do our part in, in walking uh, in faith before the Lord, and you're the common denominator in all of your relationships. So if you're having conflict in every single one of your relationships, it's not the other person's fault. Guess what? It's your fault. This was me. This was me like five years ago. I realized Jenny and I weren't getting along. I was fighting with all the close people in my life. And half of them were my family because I work with them at church. And I was like, you know, God, what's wrong with this person and that person and so-and-so? And then God just said, hey, what's wrong with you? You're the problem. And so I had to allow the Lord to work on some things in my own life. The Bible says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so, go ahead, babe. Um, I just wanted to say on that end that God is our Father, right? And if we have this relationship with him where we're supposed to ask him every day, okay, Lord, where have I sinned? Where have I gone wrong? For some of us, that might feel really foreign. I mean, how many of our kids come up to us every day and are like, mom, dad, where did I sin today? What have I done to disappoint you? Like some of us are probably fall over in shock. Like, oh my gosh. Like that was funny. You guys should laugh. <laughs> but that's what the Lord wants. He, he's a good father. He wants us to go to him and to ask him, Lord, Dad, where have I disappointed you today? Where have I gone wrong? Help me to make a shift, to go back in the right direction. The Lord really spoke hard to me about this a couple weeks ago because I was praying and I was on my knees and I was like, Lord, help Cohen. Lord, help my son. This kid needs to be obedient. He needs to obey right away. I speak this over him like in Jesus' name. And I have to tell him like five, ten times sometimes to listen to me. I mean, he does, but it just takes him a while to get there. And I was so frustrated. And the Lord was like, how many times do I have to tell you to do something before you listen? I was like, oh boy, okay. But what he was showing me was that if I want to see this fruit evidenced in my life, I have to first do the work with him. If I'm gonna obey my father and do what he's telling me to do, then that fruit will be evidenced in my life and my own children. So that's just a little food for thought, a little parenting tip. That'll Amen. save you like $1,000 in therapy, so take that for yeah. what it is. <laughs> and here, here's one other thought on that, and then we'll get to the last point, friends, is that, and this is especially helpful in marriage, it's not your job to fix anybody else, especially your spouse. It's your job to fix you. Jesus says, why are you looking at the little speck in your brother's eye or your spouse's eye or your wife's eye when you got a huge blank in your own eye? Friends, work on yourself and allow God to work on your spouse or your kids. And listen, as the Lord starts to fix and correct those things in your life that he wants to, you'll become a better husband. You'll become a better dad. You'll become a better em employee. And it will impact them in a positive way. Stop focusing like, like Roy said in the video. Stop focusing on all the negative things and pointing that out in your spouse and other people and allow God to fix and build your life. And, and here's the last point is this. Number four, get a vision from God for your family and fight for it. Get a vision from God. You might say a word from the Lord, but we're gonna say vision. 
Get a vision from God for your family and fight for it because there will be a fight. A vision, I think very simply, it's a clear picture from God of what he wants to do in your life and in your marriage and in your family. And friends, you know, a vision is not where you're at right now. A vision is future focused. A vision is seeing what God can do. And he can do anything. He can do all things. Some of us come only from dysfunction and there was no vision in our families. Guess what? If you know the Lord, you can be the first one in your family. God can break all that dysfunction, all the bondage, all the addictions. It doesn't matter what your dad was like or your grandpa or your great-grandpa. It can change with you, friends. Maybe you came from generational curses, what we would call, in fact, my mom's going to preach a great message on that next weekend. She has a great teaching on that. Maybe you came generational alcoholism was passed down from your grandpa and your great-grandpa and, you, and your dad. Well, that's just, that's just how it's going to be. No, no, no. That's not. If you know the Lord, you have no excuse, friends. We have no excuse. You're a new creation in Christ. God wants to set you free. You can be the first one. Be the spiritual patriarch of your family. Be the spiritual matriarch of your family. But you need a vision from the Lord. You need to see something different than what you've experienced in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 19, where there's no vision or no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps or obeys the law of God because God's ways are always better. You think, well, how do I get a vision? Let me give you five points. This is as simple as as I can make it. This is how I would do it. Number one is just read the Bible. How do you get a vision for my family? Read the Bible. Let God speak to you. Number two is just pray and ask him. Just say, Lord, speak to me. Let me see what you see. Give me a vision, and then he'll talk to you. Number three is think about it. Some of us spend more time on social media thinking about other people's lives than we do thinking about our own life and our own future. Take some time and think about it. Number four is find an example. Find somebody else in the church. Get around Pastor Junior, Pastor Sandy. You know, Get around others that that can encourage you and show you what a, what a marriage ought to look like, what a family ought to look like. Yeah. Learn from them. And then number five, just write it down. Write it down so you can see it and remind yourself. When you're going through hard times, you can be reminded of what God has called your family to be and what he's called you guys to do. What do you see for your family? What do you see God doing in and through your family? The family I see. What family do you see for your own family? Jenny and I, wrote down a a couple of statements, the families that we see at the Kosh Church. If you're gonna be part of the Kosh Church, this is what we're praying for, this is what we're believing for, this is what we're expecting, this is what we're prophesying over your family. Maybe you you can take some of these statements and adopt them as your own, but these are the families that we see at the Kosh Church. Go ahead, babe. The families we see have healthy, strong marriages with husbands and wives who unconditionally love each other, as well as healthy, strong single parents who are unconditionally loved by God. The families we see are filled with the joy of the Lord, laugh often, love spending time with one another, cherish making memories, and have fun together. The families we see pray fervently together, cancel every agreement made knowingly or unknowingly with the enemy, renounce any claim made by demonic forces, identify strongholds, tear them down, and replace them with the truth that is Jesus Christ. Come on, this should make you excited, right? Families we see are not influenced by the world or conformed to culture, but are transformed by the truth because they love the Word of God, learn the Word of God, and live the Word of God. The families we see demonstrate love 
see were born for such a time as this, to be devil butt-kicking, on fire with the Holy Spirit, children of the King, soul winners who plunder hell and populate heaven. And the families we see use what is in their hands for the glory of God and the establishment of His kingdom on earth. Therefore, no weapon formed against your family or your family or your family or your family or your family will prosper. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.